and still to come, fans and the media have been wondering who has MLW recruited for the new women's featherweight division. You'll get some answers tonight. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Rights of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling with your host, Mr. Green. And, you know, I want to start this one off real quick because I'm sure, depending on where you're watching this, some of you have seen the uh, thumbnail. Uh, yes, I will be reviewing MLW Fusion Alpha. And I'm sure the question following that would be, well, why would you be reviewing NWW Alpha when they really don't have a, an established women's division quite yet? They do have one on the way. It is the, uh, what is the, uh, featherweight, the MLW featherweight division. That's what they're building. Um, <clears throat> but that's kind of, at this point, a small portion of the show. But the reason that I'm going to this and I, I wanted to, you know, be completely transparent is I was asked. I was invited to uh, review the show. From a connection that I had when Wild WoW Superheroes was airing. And during that time, I had the opportunity to review the shows in full. And I uh, was uh, on their their uh, their list of contacts. I was I was one of the people that they uh, as far as wrestling events are concerned, or somebody that they reached out to and asked, hey, would you mind uh, to watch our show and, and review it and you know put it up during your podcast and episodes and things of that nature I said sure you know that that's no problem so you know again full full disclosure I wanted to make sure that you know this is why I know some people like hearing it and, and other people tune in solely for the women's stuff so I'm gonna be doing a combination of the two um, I will do a full review of MLW Fusion Alpha, the uh, the first episode that was sent to me. Also, didn't get a chance to do it uh, in advance like I would have, uh, but uh, going forward, I should be able to get the chance to, to watch that. I guess pretty pretty well ahead of when the show airs, so I can get the reviews up in a in a, a quicker fashion. But uh, as it is right now, I'm, I'm probably about 12 hours behind what is available to you. And I will say right now that if you haven't had a chance to watch before I go into the review at all, uh, go and check it out. It should be up on YouTube right now. It's a very easy watch. I must say it, 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 it flew by. It's only an hour. And, uh, you know, for those of you that, that's like me, like, hey, a wrestling show that's not three hours long. That, that is so easy to digest, and it is just really, really smooth. And even when they do stuff that is kind of cinematic, still kind of, it still makes sense. But I'll get to that in a second because I wanted to start off the podcast and address some of the women's news and goings-on 
and things like that before we go further. Uh, so let's start with uh, the announcement. Deanna Perrazzo and Mickey James are now official for Bound for Glory, which, I mean, who didn't see that coming? I think we all saw that coming. It was right around the corner. They, they basically started this, the beginning portions of this feud just before NWA 73 slash NWA Empower, the weekend that went on when Mickey James showed up after, well, I, I guess we should say at Slammiversary. That's, that's essentially when it began. So at Slammiversary, when Mickey James shows up and she interferes with Deanna Perrazzo and so on and so forth, there's, I have a full review for NWA and Power Up, by the way. So if you want to, if you haven't had the chance to look at that, but you're wanting to know what the show was like, uh, whether I thought it was good or not, then definitely uh, go check that out. But in any case, Mickey James makes the, the challenge to Deanna Perrazzo to come to NWA Empower. She tells her no. This is a quick recap. Um, a couple of weeks go by. You know, she's convinced into doing it by Gail Kim. She makes the, the, the show. Perrazzo has a what I considered a, a great match with uh, Melina. It was not pretty, but it was just fun because it was gritty and it felt like they were really struggling. To, to win against the other and they, they did the, the whole uh, legend trying not to give up thing uh, but um, ultimately we saw Perrazzo she walked out the winner She because she's still the knockouts champion Mickey James would wrestle the following night at NWA 73 against Kylie Ray and she would win that match and then she would be attacked. She would be attacked by Deanna Perrazzo who came out in the hood. So he didn't know it was her immediately. But when she pulls it off, surprise, surprise, it's Mickey James. And it's revealed, um, you know, that uh, it was Perrazzo all along. So we, we'll fast forward to other stuff just to kind of get to the point of this. Mickey James has showed back up in the impact zone and has made a challenge to Deanna Perrazzo for... Bound for Glory, which is the big event. And, of course, if you have kept up with Impact Wrestling at all, Bound for Glory is their uh, hallmark event. It is the, the biggest one that they kind of gear themselves towards year in and year out. Uh, initially, Deanna Peraza said no. She, she had nothing to gain, was her words, from taking on Mickey James, which... If we're looking at this in a uh, kayfabe universe, I, I have to say I did. Perrazzo makes a lot of good points here, quite honestly. She she is the bad guy, quote unquote. You know, you know, if we're looking at this through you know the wrestling lens, yes, she is. But but Perrazzo has some good points. A Slammiversary. Mickey James interrupted her. She, she interrupted her first. It was her time. She just defeated uh, Thunder Rosa and a unnamed match. Thunder Rosa was a mystery opponent, so it was a big deal that she beat her. And the fact that it was a, that she was a former NWA Women's Champion and she was, you know, she's regarded as one of the top women on the circuit. The fact that she beat her without any preparation 
uh, was a big thing. And she didn't get the chance to bask in that because as soon as she won, a couple of seconds or so later, here comes Mickey James, as, as uh, Perrazzo kind of put it, stealing her spotlight. So you can understand that. And, you know, Although Mickey apologized to her and, and they worked it out so that Perrazzo would come to the event, Perrazzo pretty much gave her a receipt at NWA 73. And then now you have Mickey James retaliating, and now she's challenging her. Perrazzo says that she's got nothing to gain from it. She feels like she has been what everybody's looking for at this point. She has been, you know, in high demand, and uh, she's the dream match for everyone, you know, and, and you just want to wrestle me to be relevant. Now, I don't agree with that. Mickey James is a relevant uh, wrestler. Her her name and her value at this point, you know, is pretty much etched in stone. The, uh, this version of Mickey James is clearly going to be a better version of Mickey James than what we got in the WWE over the last few years. Because a she was barely there, and what she was in the beginning phases, she she came in a hero. She wrestled. Uh, uh, Russ for the NWA and NWA NXT Women's Championship against Oscar at the time, which was a you know fun match. But then eventually she basically became a henchwoman for Alexa Bliss at the time. So it, it, I don't think it's going to be a point of relevancy. And yes, I do think Mickey James will be you know at her best here, much like Deanna Perrazzo, quite honestly. Impact Wrestling, say what you will about it. And I know there's some people out there that still give Impact Wrestling a hard time. And I will call a spade a spade. It's positioned at a high level the way that they were when they were at TNA, or at least regarded as the number two wrestling promotion in the country, is long gone. However, that said, people like Deanna Perrazzo and Mickey James needed that. They needed this company. Perrazzo, I will say in particular. When Mickey left TNA back in, and I'll get back to what I was talking about with this thing in a second. When Mickey left uh, TNA initially, or I should say that in reverse, when she came to TNA as Mickey James, because she was there as Alexis Lurie first. And then she left and she went to the WWE. So when she came back to TNA, she was already a star. She, she, she was already a made woman. TNA couldn't do anything to establish her. She was already established. Perrazzo, on the other hand, did go to WWE first as part of NXT, but she did not get the opportunity to establish herself. She did not become a made woman. She was just a, a face in the crowd. She was lost in the shuffle like a lot of people do. Impact Wrestling gave her the opportunity to b overcome that. It gave her the opportunity to be bigger than what NXT allowed her to be. And she has done nothing but run with it. She got the ball and she has run as hard as and as fast as she could to make herself and that title mean something. And she's shown that she could be a, a great wrestler when given the chance to do it. So, you know, it, it, Impact Wrestling has done some good things for her. In this particular instance, I do think that it will do something good for Mickey James in reestablishing her legacy because I don't feel that Impact is going to do what the WWE did and just kind of shuffle her off to the side and try to make her some henchwoman or something like that. But um, 
it, it'll be good for both of them. Getting back to the point of all this, you know, I, I'll bring this back on track. A brawl breaks out between the two of them, which br- basically brings out security and Scott Demore, who is essentially their general manager type. And he tells Peraza, look, you know, or he tells both of them, look, you know, wrestlers don't make the matches around here. But then again, they don't get to turn them down either. And he more or less says because of Mickey James' uh, st- status as a legend in the business, you know, she gets to call her shot. If she wants a, a title match at Bound for Glory, I'd be crazy to turn it down. So that makes it official. It would be Prazo and Mickey James at Bound for Glory for the Impacts. For the Impacts. Why did I even say it? For the Impact Singular Championship. I said that this is probably going to happen, I think, in the last review. This is where this is heading. Perazzo and James are going to go at each other at some point. Now, I do feel the same way that I felt before, although because it's at Bound for Glory, I question whether they'll not do it. But I do feel that Perazzo should succeed. She should defeat Mickey James. She shouldn't be losing to her. Perazzo has almost gone, if she gets past Bound for Glory, she will almost be a full year as the women's champion. As uh, last year, she did lose it, but she gained it right back. As much as I, I'm interested to in see the match, uh, you know, and I can't even remember the last you know, time that Mickey James was at a Bound for Glory. I mean, I know she was there. I know one of the first appearances that she had, she was a referee, but I can't think of any... Uh, singular match off the top of my head where like, hey, Bound for Glory, Mickey James, you know, it, it, she just, she didn't have the same connection there as of course she does with her legendary match with Trish Stratus for, for other reasons. But uh, I, I, I think it'd be a good match to see. They've been building this for months. I am interested in the result. I just do not feel that Deanna Perrazzo should be losing this belt. She should win. She should go through it. It should be somebody else. It should, I don't know who they're going to get right now because they have run through a large portion of that, of that uh, locker room. I might have said Kiara Hogan at one point in time if she hadn't left, but she's gone, so you know we can't do that. Uh Grace is involved in a, 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 sing, a single. She's involved in a tag team with Ellering, uh, as is Rosemary and Havoc. Uh, Tennille is is a heel. Taylor Wilde, maybe. I mean, it, it would be a great return redemption story if she got the championship. But uh, ultimately, I, I, I just don't think that James, I think she should give her the match of her life, but I don't think that she should be winning the championship. Although it is listed for uh, what is it? What uh, let's see what the date is for the, October twenty third. Okay, so it's listed for October twenty third. Uh, hopefully, I get a chance to watch it. I, I'd love to see it and be able to report back. And I would like to know that Prazo survived it. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of the women and Impact Wrestling. We know that there's the return of Knockouts Knockdown. And uh, Gail Kim will be executively producing that. And I think she's, I don't know if that's her official title, but that's what I will call her. 
And uh, it's been announced that uh, Rachel Ellering and Jordan Grace will take on uh, Tennille Dashwood and Madison Rain. Uh, her her uh, <laughs> her retirement lasted a couple of months, and she's right back in the ring, boy. I tell you, you know, I don't. Sometimes I wonder why Russell's even bothered to make the announcement that they're to retire. <laughs> I mean, I put that up on the on the website wpnrustin.com about her retirement, Godspeed, and all that stuff. And here she is, right back in the ring. But anyway. So Dashwood and Madison Rain are uh, tagging up, and they will be challenging Ellering and Grace for a number one contendership uh, to challenge Decay at knock, Knockouts Knockdown. So whoever wins that match will go to the all-women's pay-per-view event. Well, I guess at this point it's not a pay-per-view. It's a, uh, uh Impact Plus special event, and they will uh, – get the challenge for the tag team championships against Decay, or at least the female representatives of Decay. And they are also, according to Gail Kim in her interview, going to do essentially the same thing. They're going to take some established knockouts, and they're going to take some women from around the uh, the independent circuit, and they're going to let them get together, and they're going to wrestle in a tournament to determine who will be the number one contender. I hope that this is true, and I hope that they stick to it. If you have ever listened to any review I've ever done for Knockouts Knockdown over the last couple of years, they are all available on uh, the Podbean site. They are available in YouTube. But I will summarize the thing that I I enjoyed watching them mostly. The thing I disliked about Knockouts Knockdown is that it was such an inconsequential event. Most every time that they've had a knockouts knockdown event, winning the crown meant nothing. And that's what they were wrestling for at the time. That's what they were going through this whole tournament. It was like to, to win the crown or the tiara, if you will. It was a pointless event other than the fact that they could say that, well, we have an all-women's event. And they didn't even push it like that. You know, that it was to their credit. They did this long before the WWE and long before the WWE got a hold of this PR thing. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we're doing, we're, we're praising our women and whatnot. TNA slash Impact Wrestling did it first. And they did it because they treated their women wrestlers like wrestlers. And that was it was great that they did it. The problem was is that whatever took place in that event had no bearing on what happened during the show week to week. If you did not order the event, you wouldn't even have known who won. They never showed any flashbacks of it. They never showed any still shots. They didn't talk about it at the commentary table. They didn't even let the person who won show up on TV with the crown. It was completely inconsequential to anything that happened on Impact Wrestling week to week. And I hated that. It's like, why are these women going through all of this stuff if only for it to be dismissed. Somewhere down the line, they started doing the concept of, well, you know, the, the ladies from the independent circuit are coming in, and they get the opportunity to possibly win a contract. On TV, it is how Alicia Edwards got her contract. She wrestled at a knockout's knockdown, and she won. Well, I don't know. She, I don't even remember if she won, actually. <laughs> I think she was on a winning team. She wasn't even she wasn't wrestling by herself. She was probably like an eight woman team. 
But she was singled out at the end of the night, and she got a contract, you know, to be on uh, Impact Wrestling as a as a knockout, along with her husband. So I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. So anyway, like I said, it, it was it was really kind of enjoyable, but it was something that was in a vacuum. It had nothing to do with anything. If they stick true to what they're saying right here that, hey, you know, somebody wins, they're going to get an opportunity at the Knockouts Championship, that makes it something. It makes it, you know, it immediately puts something on it. You know, it, it, and maybe who knows, that might be the way to work one of these girls off the independent circuit into being a knockout. Very rarely did the indie girls overcome the knockouts, but if they you know, they have some that have managed to some managed to get by, you know, here and there. So if it happens, I mean that'd be that'd be great. That'd be cool to see that take place. That somebody could walk out as a number one contender, not even have a contract to the company. So, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to all of that. That is, uh, you know, great news. Uh, I believe as I am recording this, it is supposed to be shot this Saturday, which is what uh, the 25th. So, uh, time will tell, and hopefully, I, I do subscribe to Impact Plus. If anybody out there has not got the opportunity to use Impact Plus, I would. Uh, I'm going to just say it is a nice service. It uh, isn't as efficient as what the WWE Network was before Peacock acquired it. But then again, the WWE Network on Peacock isn't as efficient as it was on his own either. So you're not losing anything. But uh, if you're just looking for like some some past events and things like that, and uh, these Impact exclusives or these Twitch stream exclusives that they have, that is one of the perks that you have that. They're almost like they're network specials. So without having to pay for outside of what you pay monthly, you get these events that are largely geared towards the uh, their Impact Plus streaming service. Much like you did, much like you did, and much like you do, I should say, with uh, WWE Network. So you have, so you have those. Uh, it's 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 worth the the money. I mean, it's like what ten bucks a month, basically. So that just a little side thing given there. Uh, I won't go too deep in all the the rest of the stuff that we that we have happening here, other than to say. That uh, Ruby Soho, I think we all know about her and her popping up at AEW and basically leapfrogging everybody and become, <laughs> becoming the, the number one contender to a Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, getting in just before I get into uh, the MLW review, I, I do want to make this before I forget. Uh, Nicole Savoy and Holiday are set as the first women's match of uh, of the uh, tournament, of the featherweight tournament. So, and I, I and you know what, I'm I am wrong. The knockouts, knockdown thing took place already. They already shot it. So I I forgot about that. I, my my timing is off. So I I apologize. I've 
I just I had to say this now before I released this audio, and somebody's like, oh, they already did that. No, yeah, okay, I got it. I was looking at the wrong date. But, yeah, they, they already that's already been taped. It is past tense, although they are addressing it on air going in the future. So it's, if I could borrow Jim Cornetism, it's a time warp. <laughs> They're addressing things that they've already done in the future tense. Also, uh, one other thing, Ladies Night 11 has been confirmed for, for Russell Cade. That, that'll, I think the full title, Russell Cade Revenge. So Ladies Night 11, and that's going to take place the weekend on November 28th. Uh, let me see. Four women have already been confirmed for Ladies Night. That being Jordan Grace. Impact Wrestling star, Lady Frost, who's been uh, making names for herself on the independent circuit. The Wold, who we all know, and she's now just won the Shine Nova Championship. And Chelsea Green, who has made a return to not only Impact, but a return to being the hot mess. Or at least from here to there. So, you've got that happening. Uh... I think that they have some uh, some more names that will be announced as time goes on. So that's it. We, we've got uh, the ladies' night out getting ready to take place at Russell Cade, Russell Cade Revenge. And uh, that is, again, November 28th. And that will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So if you're interested in going, you might want to go and check out uh, the Russell Cade site or titlematchnetwork.com. That will uh, give you the information that you need. Titlematchnetwork.com. That'll provide you all the stuff that you need to know. Anyway, so now I've, I've covered a lot of the women's stuff. So let's get into MLW Fusion Alpha, which opens up. And I hope I am pronouncing this name right because it doesn't spell it like Caesar, but I will say it in a Caesar Duran. El Jefe, formerly known as Dario Cueto, if you've watched Lucha Underground. He is now the matchmaker. So he's continued on in the wrestling sphere. He is uh, now part of MLW, and he's basically their guy. And he seems to do a really good job. People have liked him. They liked him in Lucha Underground, and I'm sure that they will like him now. He stands at the top of the show and announces the match matches that he has lined up for the program. This is taking place in the 2300 Arena, formerly known as the ECW Arena. And I have to say, as one of those people that saw the ECW Arena back in the day and to look at it now, that place looks fantastic. I don't, I can't even go into the review and not bring that up. That place looks fantastic. I, uh, I saw it a couple of times on House of Hardcore when they were running. But quite honestly, I just thought, okay, well, it's got better lighting and they painted the walls and stuff like that. You know, I, I didn't really know that they had done a full-on makeover or whatever it is that they, you know, brought in props and everything. It looks amazing. And, I mean, considering what it was to what it is and how people used to talk about it, it's like this, it was a toilet. But now, but now, I mean, they got LED screens and uh, lighting racks and uh I mean, uh, was it the lighting rigs and uh, you know the, the walls been painted and uh, just just 
just a real nice, smooth look to it. I mean, it, it is. it was great to see what they've done with it. The opening match that they start off with was fun. It was Team Filthy. Yeah, was that Kevin Koo and Kit Osborne being represented by Filthy Tom Lawler, who opens up with a promo on Philly, and uh, <laughs> he he Lawler is a he was great here. <laughs> it's a, I have to say that listening to Tom Lawler do this promo was very entertaining. <laughs> And the thing that I love about it first, and keep in mind, you know, this is like one of my, uh, I didn't watch MLW regularly. So my concern walking into watching this show was, okay, I know some of the people here, but I don't know everybody. And I wonder how they're going to keep my attention uh, and how they're going to introduce me to certain people, you know, because I, like I said, I had, you know, very kind of limited experience with them. But they really did a good job of, not only establishing certain people to you, but you know, kind of getting you to immediately know who they are and where they stand, and you know all that good stuff. But uh, anyway, Lawler is is doing this promo. He's cutting down Philly, and I love that. <laughs> I love that he, he within this promo he's pointing to Kit Osborne. Referring to him as the legitimate Von Erich son of Lance Von Erich. Now, for those of you that don't know, it, it that first off, that's inside humor, and I admit it's inside humor. So I don't expect the general public or casual viewers to find that funny whatsoever. But it's funny to me because Lance Von Erich was the was the singular Von Erich that was outed as being you know just made up. That's. That was back in the day when the Von Erichs, unfortunately, were dying off. And Fritz, the father, was looking to, let's say, bolster the ranks of the Von Erichs and, and keep them going. He introduced Lance Von Erich, which was, again, he was made up. Lance Von I forget what it was. I think he was supposed to be a, a cousin or something like that. So they made him up and they introduced him in, and the fans just rejected Lance because they, you know, they knew that he was not a legitimate Von Erich like the other ones, the Kevin, Kerry, Mike, David, you know, all of, all of those are legitimate Von Erichs. They're legitimate blood brothers and and and, and part of the family. Whereas Lance was just a guy that they just pulled in. So the fact that you got Tom Lawler talking about I had a leg- I had the legitimate Von Erich, the son of Lance Von Erich. Who wasn't a Von Eric at all? Now going by Rip Von Eric is just ridiculous, and I loved it. I have to say it was it was just it just was a, a subtle thing, and it just tickled me. Uh, Marshall and Ross Von Eric are the Von Erics of this generation, and uh, I've only seen them Russell like two or three times, one of which took place at an Impact Wrestling event. And I hated that when they were there, they didn't just get the straight-up win like they should have because they was in Texas and they, and they were still being treated pretty pretty well back then. This is years ago. But they clearly have grown into, you know, being the wrestlers that they wanted to be. They stuck with it. And here they are. And they had a great brawl. 
a great brawl to open this show up. They were, you know, they didn't go all over the place, but they were around ringside and they're beating the crap out of each other. I mean, it, it was just, it very much reminded me of Devon Eriks of, of the 80s taking on the Freebirds because that's what they would do. They would just have these brawls. They would just, you know, go all over the place. Now, they didn't have, you know, big spots in it and everything like moonsaults and all that stuff. But, uh, but this was very, very, very easy to digest. You, you got it R- immediately. You got it. Uh, I thought that the match was going to end when uh, Filthy Tom had an errant two by four shot across the head of uh, Kevin, and it seemingly knocked him out. And the Von Erichs were uh, going Kit Osborne, aka Rip Von Erich, but he managed to kick out. But it does end with Marshall Von Erich because that they, they managed to keep Team Filthy down. They set Kevin underneath a suspended uh, piece, well, I call it plywood. It's thicker than that, but I can't think of what else you would say. It was like a wood plank. They set it up on two tables. They put Kevin underneath that, uh, two, two chairs, they, which kind of looks like a table with, with the wood on it. So they set it up on two chairs. They put Kevin underneath that, and they put Kit, a.k.a. Rip Von Eric, on top of it. And then Marshall goes up to the top rope and moonsaults through on top of Rip, through the table, down onto uh, Kevin. And the Von Eriks walk out the winners. This was a good, engaging match. Great way for them to open this thing up. Great way for them to get my attention. Like, like I said, I wasn't very familiar, uh, particularly with Kevin and, and Kit or Rip Von Eric. I wasn't uh, familiar with either one of them, but it was fun to see this regardless of that. And Filthy Tom Lawler did enough to where it didn't matter that I didn't know them. Like I said, he opened up with that promo and, and he was just entertaining to me just in that alone. So I thought that was, you know, that was really inter- really fun. Uh, fun fun promo, fun brawl. We get a recap of Battle Riot 3. Uh, that is MLW's version of a Royal Rumble for those who are not uh, familiar with it. It illustrates Alex Hammerstone winning and becoming the number one contender. And that's the important part about that because it sets up their next big event, which is uh, Fight Night. <clears throat> the same thing I just told you about where they're going to have the uh, uh, first match of the women's uh, uh, fight land. Sorry, I, I said Fight Night. But uh, the, the first match of the of the women's tournament, or at least that's the first one announced. I don't know if they're going to have the rest of them or not, but... That is the one that they put out so far. Uh, the next thing that they have is they have TJP, who we've uh, seen in WWE in the Cruiserweight division. We've seen him in Impact Wrestling as a uh, X-Division uh, champion and also as Suicide slash Manic. This is a single-shot promo slash interview uh, he wasn't interviewed by anybody visibly in the room. The camera's basically right there on his face. And he is giving a, a, a heel promo. This is probably the most I've heard him talk, quite honestly. And I know some people out there didn't necessarily care for TJP on, on his personal social media and things like that. But he was really engaging here. 
This reminded me of what you would see on a UFC show, on Bellator, on any fight-centric program where they're interviewing the fighter about what they're doing, their opponent, how they view themselves, all that stuff. This was good. I, you know, and, and I'm just going to go ahead and say, I walked into this not expecting much. I probably should have expected more, but I walked into this thing not expecting much. And he gave a, a great promo talking about how he makes music in the, in the ring opposed to his opponent, which would be uh, Davey Richards, who's coming back. He called him a quitter several times because we know David Richards did quit wrestling, you know, but he he's come back to it. But TJP made you believe that he was a main event guy. And in this universe, in MLW, he is. Get into the portion that would be appropriate for this show. They put a promo out for the MLW featherweight division, which is basically their version of a women's division. They just don't call it that. They call it featherweight. So in the featherweight division, they announced several names as who was going to be taking, you know, competing uh, to uh, be in the uh, division, and that would be the C-Stars, Brittany Blake, Holiday, Zoe Sky, Willow Nightingale, and Nicole Savoy. Those were the uh, the names announced to be in uh, the featherweight division. Now, as a side note, I will say that this is another slight against uh, against Wow because we got two women here who were formerly of Wow. Wild division, but uh, that doesn't seem like that's going to be happening right now. Uh, Holiday, formerly a wild competitor, also Willow Nightingale, who was eye candy when she was there. And I am getting the impression that they are probably like a lot of them, just time to move on. I, I don't, I can't wait for you any longer. I have to go and do what I have to do. We are, we are pushing two years. Since WoW has been on there, two years since they have done it. There, there's a full series of matches that have been taped that have not been released and that are going to be completely outdated by the time it airs anywhere because you, you know they're going to use it. If they ever get the chance, they're going to use it. They're going to whip that tape out or that, that video and they're going to cut it together and they're going to make a show, but it's going to be completely out of date. Anyhow, uh, and just so you know, for those who aren't aware who, of who the C-Stars are, Ashley Vox and Delmi Exo, I, at least I think I'm saying her name right, but I know they were former uh, Shimmer Tag Team Champions, so it should be interesting. Although, I don't know if the MLW Featherweight Division will include a Tag Team Featherweight Division as well, so that, you know, that kind of is weird to me. Uh, I don't... I don't know how MLW plans on doing that. Maybe they'll work out some uh, agreement with, I don't know, maybe the NWA women's division, women's tag team division, or Impact women's tag team division. But it seems kind of odd that to have the C-Stars, who are primarily a tag team, come in and, and wrestle for the featherweight division, which seems to be uh, a division built around singular 
aspiration. So, I don't know. All right, so the next thing that I have, Cesar Duran has, has another promo. It has a little hacking uh, uh, video glitch in there. He's he's interrupted, but doesn't doesn't break what he's doing. It's just just a little quick blurb, and then it moves on. Uh, they have a backstage reporter who is uh, I forget her name. I think Alicia Atout. She's reporting that Team Filthy and the Von Ericks have continued to brawl backstage, although we do not see that. She says it, and she's in front of a MLW banner, so to speak, but uh, we don't really see any of that take place. It's not like the camera's like, hey, guys, take a look at this. These guys are staying fight. So you have the verbal confirmation of it, but you don't visually see any of this carrying on. A uh, little odd. Wasn't enough for me to really give it a thumbs down or anything, but it was it was a little odd because she she made it sound like you know I'm gonna make get out of here at at the end of it, but it really didn't look like she was in any sort of danger at all. I mean I mean that that's just me, but we'll move on. Uh, Conan is the next vignette that we see. We see him introducing the team of fifty one fifty. The impression that I got from here is that I can't use the name LAX, so I'll, I'll make a new one. <laughs> and that's what we got. This is almost like MLW's LAX, which by and large, Conan did have great incarnations of that group uh, dating back to, you know, uh, of course, Impact Wrestling. Uh, the last incarnation who we now know is uh, what powerful private. I can't even remember what their name is. <laughs> Pride and Power, whatever it was. They, they opened AEW now, and, and it just slipped me. Damn. You know, that. that but it, that they were the uh, the last versions of LAX. Pride and Powerful. That's what I meant. Yeah, that, that's who I was thinking of. So, that, yeah, that, the LAX name has to stay with M- Impact Wrestling because they own it. They, they really didn't have to let that go. But uh, I guess they didn't make, it, make any difference. But Conan is the uh, important portion here. He did, the, you know, he introduced them, and and there's interest there. He's done it. What is this? This is like the third or fourth incarnation of a LAX type of team that he's had. I won't say LAX, but type. Uh, they 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 carry kind of the same, you know, street grid. Uh, Latino uh, vibe about them. That's why I say it seems like their version of it. Although I won't pass judgment on that until I actually see them in the ring and and see more about them. But it seems like that's the way that is going. Uh, All of that, and we are just getting to match number two. They got a lot of stuff that was squoze in between that, but we are just getting to match number two. And this match is uh, basically a X Division slash Cruiserweight style match. And it was two guys who I was just seeing for the first time, Gino Medina and Casey Navarro. This was the singles debut, as they made it clear, of Casey Navarro, and Navarro was uh, very flashy. He was all over the place. It This... This is everything that you remember when, you, if you were, uh, you know, older guy like me, and you seen WCW Cruiserweight Division. This is everything you remember from that. If you 
have been watching the Impact Wrestling X Division is everything you remember from that. They either one of these guys would fit in perfectly in either one of those eras. They they were uh very agile, very quick, uh very fast paced. In the end though, Medina wins with a spin out face plant. He plants uh Casey Navarro face first into the mat. However, I, you know, I say that having skipped over that Navarro put on a fantastic showing throughout the course of that match. It wasn't, this was not a squash by any means of the word. He was very competitive with him. There were times where he looked like he was a couple of steps ahead of his opponent, his opponent being uh, Gino Medina. It's just that Medina ultimately won. The untouchable Gino Medina. I thought that they missed a, a perfect opportunity to call him the Funky Cole. Ah, you know, hey, that that that's old man reference, but still, is the funky Cole Medina? How how could you not do that? Anyway, we'll we'll move on. The Contra Unit hacks the MLW commercial as the announcers are talking about something. The Contra Unit breaks in and starts to go in on uh, Alex Hammerstone. Talking about the championship match. By the way, the championship match that takes place at Fightland will be title for title. It's the uh, was the national open weight title versus the uh, MLW World title. So that that is being played up to be this big, big, huge match, and for MLW to say it's the it's the biggest match of their company's history. So that is uh, going to be interesting how that plays out as well. The after the hack of the country unit is over, we cut over to David Richards, and he does a a similar promo slash interview to what T, TJP did earlier. Very humble. He he's clearly the babyface here. Uh, t, you know, he's not yelling and screaming. He's talking about you know how wrestling is something he's always wanted to do. Give, gives TJP credit. He's like you know he probably was one of the first guys that trained me and helped me out in the business and this that and the other. We've been all over the world together. I mean you know it, it's one of those promos where it's like it's hard to root against this guy because he comes off as such a nice guy. Now, I don't know what David Rich's uh, personal issues or things were and things because you know a lot of stuff that went around but in this particular instance he comes off like a you know pretty pretty decent cat. Uh, we get Caesar again. This is the third time that we see Caesar on the screen on this program, and he's in backstage, like in uh in his office space, and he's interrupted by Filthy Tom Lawler. And Caesar was on the phone when Lawler comes in, just basically kind of berating him, like you you know you, I've been around the world, I've I've dealt with. And terrible uh, uh, matchmakers and promoters my whole life. And essentially, in so many words, telling Caesar that I, I know your type and you're not going to pull one over on me, which is exactly what he does because he gets off the phone, stands up, and like, come here, man, give me a big hug. You know, it's like, I've been waiting. I'm, you're one of the reasons I came here. Now, and what I like about this is that when he does it, he gives Tom Lawler a hug who isn't expecting it at all. And he looks surprised, and the camera looks at Duran over Lawler's shoulder, and he's looking into the camera like, yeah, I got him. You know, <laughs> so now he's talking to him and letting Lawler get this stuff out. And 
Lawler starts punching on the punching bag in the room and, and explaining, you know, who he is and, you know, his his accomplishments in MLW, only Grand Slam champion, all that stuff. And, and essentially how he should be a top contender. And Duran's like, hey, you know what, you're right. You do, you do deserve a, a, a championship match, and that's what I'm going to to you. I'm going to give you a championship match next week. Tom Law's like, great. So next week is going to be you versus Hammerstone, and he's walking him out the door as he's saying this. And you can see it's like he pulled a fast one on, on Lawler <laughs> because Lawler wanted a championship shot at the world's title, not the national title. And he's like, yeah, wait, wait a minute. What? No, I didn't want to, you know, before he can really explain himself, he's, you know, he's pushed out the door and the door's closed. And, and uh, you know, Duran goes on about his way. So even though Lawler came in looking for one thing, he got the, he got a championship match. He just didn't get the championship match nor the opponent that he wanted. So it would be Lawler versus uh, uh, Hammerstone for the national overweight title uh, the next show, next week. This was shot cinematically, and by the nature of it being shot cinematically, it kind of, you know, it pokes holes in wrestling because it's like, why is it shot like a movie if it's supposed to be taking place in real time and stuff like that? But I will say, because it was shot cinematically with the essence of let's be real, I have no problem with this. I mean, yeah, you, you got to suspend your disbelief because, if you again, if you start looking at it like it's cinematic, why why does he have a camera that happens to be there over his shoulder? Why do they have a, a close-up of him punching the bags? You know, like, you're not doing this for dramatic effect. But they did do it for dramatic effect. So, you know, for so in this case, this little bit of showbiz that they threw in there, it, it takes very little away from the show takes very very little away from it because it is done in such a way like i say with such realism that you're willing to overlook the fact that it has a cinematic presentation and i will jump backwards for a second here outside of this review just because as i'm thinking about it i want to make this i wish i want to make this statement that i wish that impact wrestle would just drop the cinematic presentation stuff just let it go I, it's, it's like ever since Matt Hardy came in and did the Broken Universe stuff. They feel compelled that they have to do this. Not only that they have to do this, that they have to do the most absurd thing possible. I get it. Decay, you know, with monsters and all that stuff. But, you know, they keep playing up this nether, the dark dimension, the nether world of possessions and teleportation and superpowers and, you know, enough. You know, Impact Wrestling already is at uh, a shell of what TNA was. But they do not have to keep putting in their face that, you know, we're not even trying to be some real shit. And, and that's the other thing. It's like you you go from one thing to the next, which doesn't make any sense to me. Well, how do you go from... Uh, having, oh yeah, we're doing this all-women's event, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be the best wrestlers in the world, to having Rosemary, who can teleport at will, you know, in and out of places. If she had these kind of powers, why would she ever use it when it count? Like, well, use it in the middle of a match. If it, if you have this much ability, use it when it means something. 
This woman that gave up and I say that tap out. Like none of these things should be working. But but they do. So I was like, and Sue Young is the is, I want to say she's the latest uh victim of that, but she's the latest perpetrator. She has possessed Kimberly. She has possessed uh Brandy Lauren. They're both walking around with face paint on as essentially Sue Young's uh slaves. And you know, I I get that in and of, in and of itself isn't terrible, but the concept that they are in there and that Young somehow has this mythical ability to steal their souls to where they become indentured, uh, you know, indentured servitude to her for all eternity is, you know, insane. Same way as they wrote off Kiara Hogan, dragged her off into the mist and never to be seen again is it's, it's ridiculous. They, I wish they would just work that off just let's just be done with that let's let's forget it you can do cinematic stuff without it being silly and over the top which is the whole point of what i'm saying mlw fusion alpha gave you a cinematic segment in the backstage they didn't even overdo it it was just this one everything else was shot with a cinematic camera but it didn't it didn't look like they were making a movie this looked like they were doing a little segment lasted a couple of minutes wasn't over the top, didn't do anything outrageous, got the point across, boom, moved on. Perfect. If you got to do it, I would say that. Okay, I just had to get that out. Anyway, tail of the tape. We got Richards and we got TJP, and they uh, are going you know, down the line about the years, height, weight, uh, experience factor, time off in case of Richards who the the American Wolf. A lot of people, you know, for those who, I didn't say who he was, but some people might have forgotten. Uh, David Richards was a former Ring of Honor World's Champion and a former multiple-time Impact Tag Team Champion with his former tag team partner, Eddie Edwards. Richards uh, looks great. He he looks uh, fantastic. I mean, he reminds me very much, you know, I, I'm very hesitant to say a Chris Benoit because, you know, that's kind of very polarizing. And even uh, Dynamite Kid is polarizing. Like, both of them didn't wind up well. But physically speaking and the intensity that he brings in the ring, I will specify, in the ring reminds me of that type of wrestler. Uh, he... Uh, they got into the ring and they set this up as a big match. Every match that I saw this evening had its own unique feel to it. The Bunkhouse Brawl opens it up. The brawling match. We had the Cruiserweight X Division type match. This was a technical matchup. It was it was move and counter move. Even though TJP is very capable of doing X Division stuff, it was not overdone. He brought it out every once in a while, came, you know, did did the kind of high flying kip ups and this, that, and the other, but he did not overdo any of that. He was very much in the in the ground game along with Richards, and I would say in the beginning portions of this, he looked and felt like he was two or three steps ahead of Davy Richards. Like, they would go exchange their holes, but TJP would always find a way to kind of overcome that, escape it. Uh, 
counter it. He was just he was just a little bit ahead of him. For whatever reasons, he was able to do it. As uh, that match moved on, we saw Davy Richards begin to pull himself together. He had frustration in there. That's another thing. The body language, the, the facials that was taking place in the match, I thought very important and it worked very well. It told the story. This is everything that you would probably want out of a wrestling match. If you were to show somebody who did not know either of them, if you if they watched the promo preceding it, and they watched TJP's promo, they watched David Richards' promo, then they watched the match, there's no way they could not understand everything that was going on in there. This was so palatable. They were so good, and they made it so easy. It is almost, it, it reminds me of everything that you, that I've seen some of these wrestlers go to school for. The WWE, in large part, kind of almost felt like it hurt the business overall with the decisions that they made. Like, we would rather hire somebody who was a good football player and just train them from the ground up just because they decided they wanted to be a wrestler one day rather than hire somebody off the independents who learned how to wrestle and learned how to wrestle over the course of going all over the place, wrestling in the independents, wrestling overseas, wrestling in, uh, you know, Impact and Ring of Honor and this and that. And, you know, they're able to put all that together because they've done this so long and they've done this so well. That's what you have with TJP and David Richards. They've done this so long and done it so well. And, the fa- and David Richards has been off. He had wrestled in like five years. So his return really shows that he was he still has it. It's not like it went anywhere. He's very capable. And honestly, when I looked at this show, as a side note, you know, I'll skip the match for a second. But as a side note, when I looked at this show, to see these guys do that, it gave me hope for the people that I know that were in wrestling school right now. Because I didn't think that they had a chance at WWE anymore. And AEW's overbloated. They got way too many people for any of them to make a real impact, a significant impact right off the bat. But when I see Ring of Honor, when I see NWA, and I see, you know, sometimes Impact Wrestling, but specifically here when I saw Major League Wrestling and what they were doing here, then I was like, you know what? Okay, there's, there's some hope. They have some place that they could go. They have something that, they, you know, they could do. I, it was good to see this match. Very encouraging. And they managed to really do something that, uh, like I said, it kind of it kind of showed a different gauge of wrestling without the sports entertainment attached to it. Now, I know that MLW isn't the only place that does that. But they did it so well here that it really impressed me uh, beyond what I thought I would be impressed. So the match ends. I I just had to get that in. Like I said, it was moving, counter move. But the match ends with Davey Richards. uh, I'm trying to remember the complete sequence of events because he he comes off the top with what Finn Balor calls a coup, coup de gras. 
and Mayo's uh, uh, TJP. However, TJ does kick out of that. Uh, he gets a brain bust in the ring, sits down on, on TJP's chest while hooking the leg. TJ kicks out of that also, but Richards transitions it immediately into an ankle lock. And even though he's had ankle lock on TJP earlier in the in the match where he was able to escape it, he was not able to escape this time. He tried, he just he could not find the exit, and that was it. He tapped out. So even though he was ahead of him uh like two or three steps earlier in the in the night, earlier in the match, he just didn't have it here. Couldn't do it. Could not get away from him. So the winner of the match and the main event, Davy Richards, the American Wolf. This was very, very easy to watch. Very easy to watch. Very, I used the word earlier, and I'll say it again, very palatable because of the hour, because of the quality of the match, uh, because even the segments that took place in between it were were pretty spot on. I mean, they, they moved very fluidly. It was it wasn't nothing there dragged. Nothing slowed it down. Even even the promo spots. It wasn't like it felt like, oh man, this is taking forever or nothing like that. Nope. It just they dropped it in. I mean, you know, they they put in a promo spot for their t shirts. I didn't mention that earlier, but you know, they they did a little commercial for their shirts and their their online shop and all that stuff. None of that stuff felt slow. It it just boom, 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 one after the other. So it was a it was easily a show that I would encourage anybody that are fans of just pro wrestling to watch of course this being the women's pro wrestling network i am very much looking forward to covering mlw's featherweight division i want to see where they go with this i want to see how they produce this whether or not they are going to uh establish some some real heat in this division and who else they could get there because there, there's a couple of names that i think probably should make their way down there but uh they are just getting started with it. They've, they're only, what, five, six people in as far as we know right now. So we got to give it a little bit of time for them to grow. And I, and I want to see what they're going to do. You know, Will they become part of this ongoing exchange of talents between promotions and everything else like that? That would be interesting to see as well. Uh, I, who knows? You know, Maybe you could uh, book. And the featherweight champion at your promotion somewhere. That might be interesting to see. So <clears throat> all of those things ultimately end off with saying a very good show, very enjoyable. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. I will be looking at the next show that is uh, provided to me, and I will give a, a review of that along with whatever news and views that women's wrestling has had uh, going on. And then at the time, uh, so with that, I'm going to wrap this show up, but I will say one other thing real quick is that, uh, a week or so ago, or a little while ago, uh, the wrestling world, we lost Daphne who, I've uh, committed suicide. Uh, clearly she was having a hard time. Uh, that was following a, uh, 
disturbing video that she had on her social media. And unfortunately, you know, even though some people tried to reach out to her, she couldn't be reached before she did what she did. Um, I bring that up to say this, is that I actually had recorded audio for that a while ago. I didn't release it. Um, I didn't want to, you know, kind of stand on her as a means like, oh, give me views. I'm talking about Daphne because it was a hot thing. So I, I just... I left that alone, and I said I'll I'll talk about it uh, a little bit later. I, and and I just you know I'm not I'm not gonna go into great detail because everybody knows how this is already kind of played out. But I do want to say within this, as I close it up, that uh, unfortunately I know that depression is a real thing. Mental health issues are a real thing, and a lot of people struggle with that day in and day out. Uh, you do not have to be diagnosed as clinically depressed in order for you to feel the bite of that. Sometimes things happen in your life and it it just makes you feel like you're up against a wall. Uh, I've been there too, quite honestly. You know, when when things are, when when that first domino of stuff comes down on you for stuff that's feel like it's going bad, it just feels like it's knocking over every other domino in your life. Uh, but I want to relate a saying that a radio host here in Atlanta, Georgia, said years ago, and I never forgot it, and I hope that it helps somebody else out there, is that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And by and large, that is very true. I know it's not true for everything. I know mean, that's a kind of blanketed statement, but I would say 99% of the time, it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So, if you are having any issues out there, if you feel like you have to speak to somebody or talk to somebody, you know, please do. You have people that love you and want you to, to do well and stay safe. Uh, don't try to deal with the struggle internally. You know, do, do get it out, man. Talk to somebody, vent. And if you don't have anybody to talk to, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Again, that number, 1-800-273-8255. So that uh, you, have a, you have a fighting chance, man. Keep punching. Don't, don't give it up yet. I wish I'd have had a chance to say it to Daphne. She was 46. But I am saying it to you. So rewind that back if you need the number, 1-800-273-8255. That is a National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It is better for you to make that call. And I would even go so far to say, even if you don't, if you feel like you might have something like that, save that number in your phone. Your, your phone's got lots of space in it for numbers. If you are... Uh, using Google, it'll save into the cloud. I won't even bother your space on the phone. So just save it so that if you have to look for it, you ain't got to struggle to find it. It's right there. So that we'll leave it at that. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in to the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you for giving me your time and your ears. And, I, oh, I forgot one other thing, that uh, Mercedes Martinez, who's one of my favorite wrestlers, will be challenging, speaking of Deanna Peraza, I talked about her earlier with her and Mickey James. 
Uh, Perrazzo's got another challenge to get by first before she goes into battle for glory. She's challenged by Mercedes Martinez. She'll be defending the Impact Knockouts Championship at Russell Pro on October 16th. So if you are there nearby, go check out that, that match. October 16th, Perrazzo versus Martinez. Martinez has landed on her feet, and she is moving along. If you follow her social media, she's in high demand. And so, so she, she's getting her matches, whether the WWE or NXT was going to use her or not. She is, she is getting the matches, and hopefully I want to see her show, pop up someplace else. She, she's got a couple of other promotions that she can show her face at, and we all know that she can still go. So uh, I'll be looking out for that. If you are wanting to support this show, support this channel, go on to WPNWrestling.com. That is the nexus for everything that we've got. Uh, we got a 24-hour stream there. I am very strongly thinking about redoing that website. Give me your input if you think I should. I have been working on uh, doing a beta version of the Roku channel, still trying to, you know, this is a lot, man. I'm doing this all on my own, basically. So <laughs> I got a beta version of a Roku channel that I've been building. Hasn't been released because it takes a lot to get that there. A lot of storage space, a lot of bandwidth, all that stuff like that. Uh, so, T-shirts also. If you want to purchase a T-shirt from a Teespring store, the links are usually in the description below. You can uh, go and do that. That helps out the show also. You can send a donation. And if you do that, then I will certainly give you a shout-out or respond to you in some way to let you know thank you for your, your time and your effort in doing that. And also... Liking, subscribing, sharing, and talking about the program, talking about the show helps keep us in the uh, viewership of uh, YouTube and whatever podcast sphere you may be listening. So all of those things help in their own little ways. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in to the program. This time I, it is the official wrap-up of the show. So this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long. And I will see you on the next go-round. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>